0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Visit betterhelp.com Padilla because sometimes existing is exhausting.
1: They are home right now listening to kids bop having their PTA bath. You know what that is? It's not school, it's
0: pits, tits, and ass, motherfucker. My name's Anthony Padilla and I spent today day with Brandon Rogers to uncover the truth about this legendary YouTuber, comedian, and voice actor of the incredibly popular animated series, Hell of a Boss. What's really going on inside the brain of someone who can so effortlessly transform into over 40 fully fleshed out characters at the drop of a hat? And we'll take a look at the pivotal moment that could have prevented us from ever knowing the genius that is Brandon Rogers. Hello, there friends. Fancy seeing you here. First things first, I feel like we must address the elephant in the room. Well, there's nicer things. You can call me, for instance, Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) You're here as yourself, not as a character. All the comments on the last video that we made together were like, what the fuck? Brandon is a real person? Yes, everything I say, not in
1: character, has a thousand times more weight. And that's why I try and limit those words to the words (laughs) that other voices in my head say. I'm much more underwhelming in real life. And to
0: some people, that's a good thing. Some people that's not. You've said that you feel most comfortable when you're playing as your characters.
1: Wake up your fucking sister! Ah! It's your mother's ass! yeah because they're they're exaggerations of personalities that I I do understand you know there's people we do understand even though we would never act like them and when you get to embody that you get to kind of say, well this is my version of that kind of person
0: Have you always found yourself falling into a character Yes I've never quite known how to behave Oh you're a bad boy Well no no I'm a good I'm a very good boy you're a very good bad boy
1: <laughs> a very good weird boy. <laughs> There were times when I would break into other characters and not realize it. And I didn't realize that this was a thing I was doing. And then I met theater kids and realized there's other weirdos out there. But I would find myself adopting um, familiar personality traits that I would come back to if I felt a certain way. Almost like almost like I was changing who I was. How many characters have you created? At least thir- 30s or 40 maybe.
0: I feel um, like it's thousands. Thousands? <laughs> oh my God. I literally, re- I pre-wrote an intro. I was like, I think we'll talk about this. I was like, thousands a of thousand characters. characters? Shall we give people who may not be familiar with your characters a a sampler, I'll throw out a couple okay. instances and I'll say one of the character's names to you okay. and you can respond as that character maybe? I'm ready for this. Okay. <clears throat> Are you gonna be home alone tonight, Bryce Tankthrust? I'm never home alone when
1: I have a bodyguard with me who services both my safety and my puss. Um, Bryce is a little transatlantic <laughs> and she always leans forward because her waist is small.
0: <laughs> Did you leave the house today without your child, Kathy? I would never leave home without my kids, all right? They are home right now, listening
1: to kids bop, having their PTA bath. You know what that is? It's not school, it's pits, tits, and ass, motherfucker. Kathy's just my mom.
0: <laughs> wow, you look really good today. Did you put on that outfit yourself today, Sam?
1: Well, you know, I thought about putting together something different, but this just is my usual go-to, and it makes my whole look great. Sam, by the way, is, is me if I never came out of the closet. <laughs> and just all that em- repressed energy just A lot of gay men have a version of themselves before they came out of who we were trying to convince the world we were. Mm. Sam is that if he just never came out.
0: On YouTube, there is no one else that's doing it like you. And you've been doing a very similar style of comedy for over 10 years. It feels like you had your style, you knew what it was, you didn't give a fuck what anyone else said, and you just did it and you've been doing it nonstop because you just love it and you could feel your passion in it.
1: If you take the time to look at the stuff I make, there is. In almost everything I do, there's something deeper in it. I'm never like, let's just shoot something for the fuck of it. Yeah, you know, it's it's always this is a cool idea, and that in telling it through the lens of comedy is going to be really cool too.
0: How much do you think your comedy style is influenced by your childhood? Etiquette was something
1: my parents taught me at a very young age. My parents were very big about being proper when they introduced me to their right. bosses, to their to their coworkers and stuff. I was never a destructive kid. My brother and I never had any kind of malicious intent. We just knew, oh, like a fart right <laughs> here would destroy this. My mom spent weeks preparing for this Christmas and if yeah. I pooped my pants, <laughs> mm, I'd fuck her. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> pooping your pants on Christmas on purpose? There's, that's good. Now that's an idea to run with. That's good. So my brother and I, we would come up with all sorts of just situations that would just delight us in that moment. Even though the people in my family were, were pretty funny, they were very, very practical. We just kind of agreed on the fact that acting, like that's a fun job, yeah, but you, you gotta have a real job. Did you deal with bullying or anything like that? As a kid, I, I talked, very gay. What's voice. a gay talk? It's not just effeminate. It's like a very, it's lisps and the way, I, and honestly, I didn't even realize I was doing the gay talk until people were calling me gay more and more. And then, and then I started realizing that I was gay. <laughs> Did you
0: change the way you talked or anything? Of course, yeah. because
1: back then it wasn't okay to be gay. Now, oh my God, people are sucking dick like they're going out of style tomorrow. And by people, I mean men. You mean men. (laughs) (laughs) And I was very heavy. I was very fat, gay, brown, fat, in a rich white town. How
0: isolated do you think that you felt from other
1: kids? It was the loneliest time of my life. I remember walking around the, what do you call it? The common area of the school, the the, the quad. Mm, Quad. They still call that? Yeah, it's got four
0: entrances and four holes. Oh, what I'm a quad. Right? Yeah. Well, you are.
1: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I remember walking around the quad looking at everyone and thinking none of these people want to have lunch with you. Of course, I didn't feel confident being myself. Myself wasn't working. I didn't even feel like I was misunderstood because in order to feel misunderstood, you have to feel like there's some groundedness in in, in of yourself to be understood. Mm-hmm. I just felt like I was um, misunderstanding everyone else. It, it wasn't until I was in high school that I started making that switch of like, Oh, they just need to understand me. I always felt like there was something valuable in, in my mind, but no one else could see. And it was very frustrating because no one would give me even the time of day to show them who I was.
0: Your uniqueness, your weirdness was a detriment to yourself. But then eventually you started to realize that your uniqueness was a part about you that you liked.
1: Yeah, well my uniqueness was something I kind of leaned away from when I was growing up. Yeah, you know, I took a drama class and I, I remember going up in front of the class.
0: And I started hearing people
1: laugh and I, they weren't laughing at me this time. Already, I'm making people laugh. And so that, that was a big help because it showed me, oh, like you are funny and you are, and, th- and, and look, I'm being expressive and I'm not being punished for it. All of high school from freshman to senior year was just me learning how this new version of myself
0: can manifest. In our last interview, you mentioned that Comedy is a way for you to escape.
1: It's very therapeutic. It's like going for a run or playing basketball or hanging out with your friends. It's just a removal from your current state of mind into a flow state that you would rather be in. If there's one valuable thing that I have learned how to do since I started doing this, Mm -hmm. it's the ability to have the worst day in the world and then make the audience have the best day of their Mm -hmm. week. I've performed stand-up after having the shit kicked out of me. I know. And so it was, it, it, and, and there was just something about turning off every part of me that cared about what just happened to me and going, they don't know about this and they don't have to know about it. And if their reality is that I just showed up to this stage happy to perform, yeah. if I surround myself with people where that's their reality, yeah that might as well be my reality too.
0: And I know you're talking about all this like with a smile on your face and everything but I know that was a traumatic time. You hear about people having traumatic experiences
1: and then blacking it out. Mm-hmm. I wish I had blacked that out because it was just it was, it was just a moment of like, oh my God, am I about like It wasn't just like oh, I was like punched, it was like I a beating. There was a what? chance
0: that you would not wake up, like you thought that you could be in a coma. Oh my God. And Then you went out on set, you, 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 did you even clean up in the, before you went out on stage? I, I, put, you I put makeup live?
1: on my arms. Luckily, halfway through the show, I get covered in blood. The damage looked like it was part of the trick.
0: Have you ever talked about that before?
1: No. You know what, what's haunting is that every now and then, I will see one of the photos from that performance show up and I can see the I can see it on my body. And I think to myself, they don't, they don't know that. And to this day, y'all don't know which show it was.
0: So maybe you saw me
1: after I had a very traumatic experience and
0: you won't know it. When you escape from a moment that's traumatizing like that, does it go through you and you're able to just put it to rest? Or do you feel like a part of that sits with you? All of the worst things in my life
1: um in some ways are like are like trophies because it's like I know I can withstand that. I know that I can withstand that and still be funny the next day. Holy shit, that's a whole other thing. And some people can say like, well that's not mentally, you know, you should, but in many ways it's like it's not as unhealthy mentally as you think it is because we have to escape too. You know, we have to get out of that space. It's important. And and we and we're very we are very lucky to have to have jobs that we can escape into mm. like this.
0: You've told me before that in some ways you feel guilty for mm-hmm. having a job that you love living in the, the city of your dreams and having a very happy life when when you're constantly exposed to all of the horrors of the world and you get to do comedy it's easy to see how beautiful this world is that we live in but it's so easy to see how how awful it is. I feel like comedy has a much more important place than many people give it credit for. You know, a lot of people see it as a frivolous, two-dimensional time waster.
1: It's one of those things that we just take for granted, I think. I think we all need Mm -hmm. comedy. I think a lot of us live off of it without even realizing we do. I think all of my
0: favorite memories in life include me laughing Laughing. in some way with someone. Having that connection with someone, that bond almost, it's the unspoken, we're on the same wavelength. When
1: I see someone in public laughing, I'm happy for them because no matter what they have coming their way in the future, mm-hmm. that moment will never be taken away from them. If you were to freeze time, it's just like you literally have to be you know careless enough to let your body have that
0: reaction. You are just feeling an emotion and it's coming through you and you're letting it out. You're expressing an emotion immediately. Isn't that incredible? And no one teaches us to laugh. Inherently, we are humorous
1: people, whether we want to feed into that or not. Babies laugh. We don't teach them that, yeah. they don't even talk. If we're just beings of feelings from the moment we're born to the moment we die and just toggling yeah. these different euphorias, it only makes sense that comedy is such a valuable
0: part of any society. How long ago did you start creating comedy videos? I remember the very first video I
1: ever made. And uh, my dad at the time, he worked at a, uh, a studio and he had, it, it was like a TV studio, green screen and everything. It was pretty legit. And my dad, he, he told me, he said, we can make whatever you want. I wrote a whole sketch. He got everything powered up and we started rolling. And I did a news segment where it was the apocalypse. And then I realized you could take off body parts with uh, green fabric. Oh, yeah. So I made my dad a headless, a headless guy in front of the White House, which was on fire. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I got on a VHS, single VHS copy uh-huh. and I showed it to my family, I showed it to my friends, anyone who was around at my house, I'd pop that in and I would, and I really liked the high of, okay, now so what? they're gonna react to this part where you're doing this, okay, wait for it, wait for you know, I love that feeling of them watching this thing I worked very hard on to make.
0: Was there a moment when you realized, oh shit, this could be a full-time thing? Before I uh, did YouTube full-time, I worked at a law firm. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine Brandon in a suit working at a law firm?
1: I hated wearing, <laughs> and I discovered clip-on ties long after I worked Uh. there, we were ambulance chasers. If uh, if someone ever got hurt, we would be the first to defend them. So my job was to go to the cases where the event happened and document the negligence of the property with my camera, we, we represented Elisa Lamb in the water tank. Remember yes, her? Yes, yes. For many years, I was not allowed to talk about my involvement with that case. Anytime the law firm needed me to do something with my camera or with, with the needed footage of anything, I was just the guy they sent out. And I had to climb up onto the water tank and show that this is a potential uh, accident just waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. So I had to go there with my camera and show that. So I climbed up on top of the tank and I just showed like, look, mm-hmm. I can, you know, and that's horrific. You open that tank and there, there's no way to climb out of it. I did documentaries about the, the clients who had uh, serious enough injuries to where it impacted their life. It document how tragic their life has become. And then I had to interview them. So if you notice, a lot of my videos are shot in this documentary uh, format. It's the same format that I did the, those. Like that's what brought to light the videos that I, a lot of them that I do now. My old boss, he, when he found out that I was making videos on the site, he was like, you know, before I became a lawyer, I really wanted to go into comedy writing. When he found out what I did, he would give me the keys to the office and just say lock up when you're done.
0: So he encouraged you mm-hmm. to make videos, express yourself creatively, yeah. be a comedian yeah, while he, working
1: there. He actually came to the realization first. He called me into his office where he said like I've been I've been looking at your subscriber count. But like, he, he was like how much longer do you think you have here? And I didn't really think about um, quitting.
0: So he knew before you that it was moving that direction.
1: He did. Sometimes, I don't know, you just don't realize how good something is until it starts to show signs of going away. I hated working for bosses. I hated bosses. I didn't realize that I had a good one until he had until he asked me that. And I'm sure he'd love that. I'd like to give my, is it five seconds? Scott, yeah, yeah, Scott Warmuth. he can have my, <laughs> Scott Warmuth if you ever get injured or you want to sue anyone, just, you know, he's a great guy, <laughs> Okay, we're done. Sorry, Scott.
0: Eli wants to know what the most danger that you've ever gotten yourself into for a video has been. Before we get more into that, I'd like to invite you to watch I Spent a Day with Legendary OG OG YouTubers, which was the last time I had Brandon on, along with Ryan Higa and of course, Jack's Films. and Of course, I can't go without thanking the Dipsy for sponsoring this episode. Dipsy, of course, is an app full of short and sexy audio stories designed by women for women, right? Yeah, women. Women, they bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and characters no matter who you're into or what you're into. New delectable morsels of content are released every single week. So, in between listening to your favorite stories again and again and again, you can always find something new to explore. And in addition to that, Dipsy offers sleep stories, wellness sessions, and yes, now they also offer written stories. So, you're set no matter how you enjoy sweet sensations to enter your body through your eyes, through your ears. Through your mouth. And for a limited time, just for I spent a day with viewers and listeners of the podcast, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com Padilla. That's 30 days of full unadulterated access for free when you go to D-I-P-S E-A Stories.com P-A-D-I-L-L-A. And I'd also like to thank our sponsor, BetterHelp, for their continued partnership. If you've been keeping up with this series, you know that therapy has been extremely beneficial in shaping who I am today by allowing me to have empathy for my younger self and therefore understand who I am today more. But therapy can be customized to whatever is right for you and be useful in providing tools to help with motivation or feelings of depression, anxiety, stress, insecurity, or whatever else you might specifically need. BetterHelp has been continuing to improve throughout the years and they screen all their therapists to ensure that they have experience and that they're licensed and certified. And They provide customized therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone or even speak over the phone if that's not something that you're entirely comfortable with. As many of you have probably found out by now, therapy can be expensive and the price of finding a therapist that you like and connect with can be overwhelming. Which is why BetterHelp offers a more affordable alternative to in-person therapy where you can start communicating with your therapist in less than 48 hours. So thank you to BetterHelp, who are giving I spent a day with viewers and listeners of the podcast 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash padia. That's better hel slash padilla. Now, back to the world of Brandon Rogers. Eli wants to know what the most danger that you've ever gotten yourself into for a video has been.
1: Oh, actually just recently I was doing a a video um, where I was playing Helen. It was a rec center and we went and, and we shot a scene inside the gym, but I have this policy with my crew that if anyone Asks us to leave anywhere. You don't even make a, a fuss. You just leave. I've had people harass me all the way out to my car. Not just harass me, like yelling like an angry parent.
0: You called me after that, right? Yes, you called I me. I did. And I, I remember you
1: so I was dressed as Helen, and yeah. I was like
0: Anthony. I'm like I'm literally dude, dressed. Dude, as I wonder like this guy just followed me back to my car and tried to attack me. I'm still dressed as Helen. I don't know what I'm yes. gonna do.
1: I'm still like, I, I, oh, I hope he's one of your followers. I fucking hope you are watching this. <laughs> He's a big fan Uh, of the show. He He was basically saying like, you can't be here, what's wrong with you? But it was in how offended he was that we were there. And granted, I'm doing a scene where I'm on the floor and I'm like this on the ground. And right when I do this, I hear my cameraman starting to talk to uh, someone. I'm like, who's he talking to? And I open my eyes and this guy's like yelling and very angry. He's following my, my crew, me, he's he, yeah. closely behind us. And it was this sense of like, I look ridiculous, so I'm afraid to stand up for myself. Oh. And I'm just hearing this guy yelling at me from behind, there's kids here. I, so I get to my car, I stop, and I just start screaming at him as Helen, and he just shuts as down. Helen. As Helen. Well, not as Helen, but I'm in, he- yeah. as, as me, yeah. but through Helen. Yeah. And the whole time I'm thinking, I hope no one's filming me, and I hope everyone's filming me.
0: What pushed you to that? It that was, moment, because I know that you are not a con- confrontational no, person. No, it was
1: this feeling of like, I can't escape this person uh-huh. and I'm going to walk away from this moment for the rest of my life as a moment where I just let someone just like treat you know treat yeah. me like this. Yeah. And my, my whole childhood is comprised of moments like that where I walk away going like, oh, I should have said this, I should have said this. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm now this developed into a type of person where like if I am pushed into a corner, I'm
0: I'm very vocal with how it makes me feel. <laughs> We've been talking all about your physical form, but we have not talked about this incredible animated series that just blew up in the past year, Hell of a Boss. Jesus Christ, it's- Every episode, between 30 to 40 million views. It's insane. And you are one of the the leads in in the show. When you set fire
1: to my office in front of a client, you fucking bitch shit. It blows my mind, because the character is so similar to uh, my, my, my public likeness, not who I am as a person, yeah. but I get it that if you were to like merge
0: all my characters together and- I mean, that character, hell of a, the, the, the character, I, that's who I thought I was going to show that's up to so exactly- me when I met you I was- as you. When you invited me to come out to the very first shoot that you ever had me be a part of, I think it was a day at the beach. You asked me to come out and I had, Never met you, never talked with you. I just seen your content. I was like, I was a little intimidated. I was like, what is this guy going to be like? You are so over the top and wild. I just imagined that when I met you, you're gonna be like, all right, man, let's do this, let's get this done, woo! But yeah. when I when I when I showed up, you were super Very, respectful. Yeah. I was like, dressed hey. as Helen. Yeah, you were the, the lips and the eyes, and I remember you turned around. And you're like, hi, it's, thank you so much for coming out. I really appreciate you making the time to come out. Oh, and shit. you were you were just so sweet, was, and it was. Such a juxtaposition of what I imagine you would be based on the characters that you play. That, that's what people
1: think I am in real life, and that's why—that's why, that's why I—I was—you know—I didn't think people would be so welcoming to me playing that role. But yeah. there's a, a level of authenticity that I found I can bring to that character. He's an assassin who works in hell, and he—he huh? he kills people for a living, and he's very sassy, but he's also very tender and sweet. And yeah. he, has, he, he has the capability to have his heart broken too.
0: Yeah. I feel like in many ways that character is the perfect representation of. All aspects of you kind of rolled up into one.
1: I've never related to a cartoon character like I have uh, Blitz mm-hmm. before. Him.
0: What's been your most bizarre fan interaction?
1: I remember my first paycheck from YouTube. That was in 2009. It was over a thousand dollars. Uh huh. That blew my mind, and I used that money to buy a plane ticket because I'd never flown anywhere by myself. I got on a plane and flew out to meet my fans. <laughs>
0: Wait, wait, tell me about this decision like like I feel like I'm missing a step here. You you get your first paycheck and you say, I'm going to meet my first fan.
1: And I did it several times. Not him. I flew around the country staying with and meeting people and then it's evolved to the world. I went to in France and I went to I just wanted to, and I just liked having excuses and places to stay where I knew I was welcomed. And yes, any one of them could have been a murderer or worse, <laughs>
0: that didn't go through my mind. You didn't I, even think about the fact that you could have not woken up that day because you had a, a knife forcefully shoved through your brain?
1: Well, I would be lucky if that's where it was shoved. There could, There's a number mm-hmm. of places they could have shoved, and mm-hmm. I'd be lucky if it was even a knife. Mm-hmm. But uh, there are a number of situations in my life where I am very thankful and
0: shocked that I'm still, I'm still here. Uh, yeah. In our last interview, you mentioned that-
1: Every day I wake up and I either think, wow, I just made something great and I have to live up to that, or I just made garbage and I'm garbage. It's never a positive.
0: Do you still deal with those feelings? There's so many ways to
1: make the next attempt different and better. If you had a great success with the video, awesome. And if you make a shitty video, Awesome! Whatever you're making next time is for sure gonna be better.
0: Yeah. So it's uh,
1: it, there is a. I think I'm a little bit more glass half full than that miserable asshole that
0: you had at that. At that oh other. God! Like, 2019, Brandon Rogers. <laughs> oh, he was. Bro. He had a. He had a story to tell, and it wasn't a good one. I know that you are one of the most humble people that exists. I know you never talk about the amount of work that goes into each of your projects and how much love you give to every single detail. I've been there with you on set. I know you You, you brainstorm, you write, you location scout, you, you cast, you star in them, you play multiple characters. When you're done, you get home, you load it onto your computer, you sit there, you edit every single frame, you post it, you do the thumbnail, you do the marketing, you do every single aspect. Would you say that you have Refused to let other people in on the process and to help you with that.
1: I've learned how to live a life with the least amount of dependability, professionally. You don't want to depend
0: on anyone else.
1: I don't need to depend on it, it, was,
0: it was, but sometimes
1: I do collaborate and I lean on people. You, I mean, you have to. The bigger the operation gets, you know, the more you have to trust the people that you can't yeah. do everything yourself. But I, I try and do as much as I can. I like living in a world where if there's a production I wanna make, I don't have to run it by some person who's about a generation distant from me that I have to then, you know, has to green light it. I I can, okay, well, I know how to build that set or I know how to design that costume. Basically, it's just like reducing the amount of people to uh, inhibit you from from creating uh, something that makes you happy.
0: What are you most proud of in your career?
1: You know, if it's in the way that I use YouTube or comedy, which is a form of escapism, if someone's able to do that with my work, it it feels very symbiotic and like I'm part of this beautiful machine of, you know, instant gratification in terms of of uh, entertainment. I like that we're in this age now of like I want to watch specifically this type of thing, and I could do it in less than 30 seconds. And just being like a little corner of YouTube that. People know it's there. Mm -hmm. And if they want, you know, if they want to come to the freak show and see something a little (laughs) weird or disturbing,
0: Mm. it's always there. I spent a day with Brandon Rogers, one of the most genuine, hardworking, and humble people I've ever known. And I've come to realize how shared laughter, in many ways, can be seen as a fundamental ingredient in what makes life worth living.
1: The worst images I've ever seen in my life Mm. were in that finite period of time Mm -hmm. when the internet was just open for anyone. No laws.
0: Whatever you wanna do here, that's totally chill.
1: I had tried finding a porn website when I was like 11. I was Mm. like, oh, what's it gonna, I went to sex.com.
0: Oh, nice, I went to boobs.com. Really? Yeah. Was
1: boobs.com a bestiality site? No. Well,
0: sex.com was. That was the first thing I saw. I'm taking that high five back. Give me that fucking high five back. No, I'm keeping it. I won't want it anymore. (laughs) All right, you can have it back. (laughs) Thanks. There we go.